Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. I do think that this is, in a lot of ways, the new frontier fight on the First Amendment. I'm Annie Reese. This is Politico Dispatch. This week, the Supreme Court ruled 5-4 against a Texas law that bars online platforms from restricting user posts, blocking the law from taking effect while lower courts decide on its constitutionality. In other words... The tech platforms got what they wanted from the Supreme Court. Brendan Bordelon covers tech policy for Politico. However, the warning signs beneath that decision, I think, really could bode poorly long-term for the the potential of the tech platforms to actually control what speech is said on those platforms. And I think that's, that's sort of where the weather vane may be pointing here. On the show today... Brendan on the Texas ruling and reading the tea leaves about how this might impact future fights over free speech. Uh, I do think that this is going to be the, the way in for a lot of courts to relook at the First Amendment in a way they haven't before. Maybe the last time was like television and radio that these questions came up. And now we're in the internet age. And finally, I think it's starting to percolate up to, you know, these really like central uh, free speech rights. I think we're on the cusp of some pretty big decisions in this space. So I feel like there was a lot of news happening this week and a lot of people saw the headline about the Supreme Court ruling blocking Texas's social media law. But I don't really know that most people clicked and, and read fully what, what that means. So can you tell me like what happened? Sure. So there is a law in Texas that basically requires social media platforms to keep up any kind of content that they would otherwise take down if the content is found to be based on viewpoint It's a law pushed by Republicans. Um, You can probably guess what the impetus was. People were very upset after Donald Trump was deplatformed from some of these social media platforms and some other sort of far right figures were removed as well. Mm. And there was a sense of like, you know, we should do what we can to make sure that these platforms are sort of open for all different political viewpoints, including viewpoints that Twitter or Facebook might find, you know, offensive or, you know, inciting an insurrection, something like that. (laughs) So uh, they, they went ahead and they passed this law. And It was blocked by lower courts because there was a sense that this is going to really make it difficult for the platforms to operate. I mean, its viewpoint is is very broad. It doesn't necessarily just mean politics. And there was a sense that these platforms would basically be inundated with a bunch of smut and other things that they are constantly cleaning up off their sites. Unexpectedly, last month, uh, the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals allowed this law to go into effect Mm -hmm. with actually no reason why. Uh, They didn't actually decide on the constitutional merits. That's going to come later. But they said Texas can go ahead and enforce this law if they want. The tech industry uh, freaked out, I mean, to (laughs) to use a precise term, and ran to the Supreme Court and said, hey, you need to put an emergency stay on this order. We need this law enjoined, blocked until we can figure out how this is constitutional, if this is constitutional. And uh, earlier this week, the Supreme Court decided 5-4 that they will go ahead and do that. So the law is now blocked again. The Fifth Circuit will ultimately rule on the constitutional merits of the case. And I think there's an expectation that SCOTUS is going to take another bite at the apple sooner or later. And this case will be decided on the constitutional merits at the Supreme Court Mm. uh, at some point in the future. Yeah. What was the breakdown of judges in the 5-4 ruling? And was that surprising to you? It was surprising, and, and not just to me. Uh, it was yeah. surprising to a lot of folks. And actually, mm-hmm. uh, it, I think it's a bit of a warning, really, for the tech industry that things may not be quite as easy as they thought. So mm-hmm. uh, it was 5-4. Justice Samuel Alito wrote the opinion from the court, which is actually a dissent. So Alito did not agree with the five justices that 
the law should be stayed. He was joined by Clarence Thomas and uh, also by Elena Kagan, strangely, and then Neil Gorsuch. Uh, now, there is a sense that, you know, obviously the three conservative justices that disapproved of the decision all wrote an opinion in a block together. Elena Kagan, she's not a fan of the shadow docket, which is how the tech platforms decided to move this case forward. So there, she didn't explain her reasoning, but there mm. is a sense, I think, amongst most people that this was sort of a protest vote on the shadow docket. So that leaves three conservatives that decided uh, the First Amendment, uh, which is really what the, the argument was here, basically, that the First Amendment protected the tech platform's capabilities to decide, you know, what speech they wanted to host on their platforms and what speech they didn't want to host, that the First Amendment may not apply uh, to these platforms in the way that people expected. Uh, Alito wrote at one point that it's not at all obvious how our existing precedents, which predate the age of the Internet, should apply to large social media companies. I'm quoting here. And then he said later that whether the applicants are likely to succeed under existing law is quite unclear. Hmm. This is a bit of a shift for him because he's generally been very, very supportive of corporate speech rights. I mean, you remember like Citizens United and the idea that corporations are legally people. He's one of the justices, and I think Republicans generally, uh, Republican judges generally, have been much more sympathetic to that that notion over the years. These are obviously massively powerful corporations, these tech platforms. And um, I think there was an expectation that Alito in particular was going to side with them just because he's generally sided with the speech rights of big companies in the past. Obviously, that's not the case here. And I think a lot of folks looking at this think it's it, it's sort of a uniquely tech-centered issue and a tech-centered mm-hmm. phenomenon, but it may not stay that way. Yeah. I mean, this was an outcome that the tech lobby was obviously thrilled about. But as you were saying, digging into Alito's dissent, like, can we read the tea leaves? And is there a way that this his dissent might telegraph future decisions on First Amendment rights in the social media space? Yeah, yeah, I think it does. I mean, again, Alito said that, you know, a lot of the precedent we have around First Amendment laws that applies to these big corporations does predate the Internet. The way the Texas law works, there is an effort basically to try to identify these platforms as common carriers. Uh, That's a legal term, kind of like some legalese for you. But the best example of that is like a telephone company. So uh, a while ago, I think like almost 100 years ago, the government decided that a telephone company can't really decide to keep someone off of their their lines, right? Mm -hmm. If they don't like your politics or they don't like what you're going to use your phone for, what you're going to say on their phone, it doesn't matter. They have to take all comers. They're a common carrier. They carry everybody who wants to to, to use a telephone. Um, There is an expectation that, uh, well, not an expectation, that's already happening in the states. States are trying to pass laws basically labeling media platforms, social media platforms, common carriers. So regardless of your political view, regardless of uh, whatever you want to put on the platform, you have to be allowed on that platform. You're going to have to be, they're going to have to carry your content. But one is public facing and one is not. Exactly. I mean, that was the point I was going to make. Uh, it's very different, right? I mean, it's not a private conversation between two people. It's out there for everybody to see. Obviously, there's like a lot of smut. There's a lot of disinformation. There's a lot of, you know, racist content, violent content, uh, you know, things that I, I are constitutionally protected, but right. that I think in the past were not seen as something that a private platform would be forced to host by the government. Mm. Um, there are some Republican justices now at the highest court that are suggesting that may not be the case. Um, that is a very significant change. And again, it's a minority right now. I think given the contours of the court for the foreseeable future, it will be a minority when this law goes to the, the SCOTUS on the merits. However, you know, we might be one Republican president away from a 5-4 ruling in the other way. Mm. And I think that that's worth noting. And I think the tech platforms would be wise to start considering that possibility now. 
Yeah, I mean, one thing I was really interested in is that in your story, you spoke to someone who basically really saw this decision as kind of a warning shot and who was like, well, the Roe draft opinion we all saw, the court has shown that precedents can be overturned. Well, and it's and it's worth noting that Alito wrote that leaked Roe decision mm-hmm. as well. Uh, and again, we don't know if that's going to be the final decision right. of the Supreme Court. But yeah, you know, there is the Supreme Court is there to make constitutional precedent. And obviously, constitutional interpretation changes over time. Mm-hmm. That's not really like some crazy outlandish thing. Uh, however, it has been a long time since the First Amendment, uh, as it applies to corporations, has been sort of under threat in this way. And I guess the tech platforms would say under threat. I think folks on the right would say this is a reasonable interpretation for the 21st century uh, communication model. These platforms are the new public square. So it is It is not you know, necessarily as simple as either side would paint it out to be. But it would be a significant shift in precedent, Supreme Court precedent. And it could actually you know, I think echo through some other Supreme Court cases. I mean, it's uh, I had a, a someone I talked to for the story, Jeff Kossif. Uh, he's a really smart guy on the First Amendment and, and uh, Internet rights. And he said, you know, we have several justices now. Neil Gorsuch has talked about revisiting the New York Times versus Sullivan case, which is sort of a bedrock First Amendment media, you know, for, for journalists and, and, uh, and the news media. There is, I think, this sense that if you start to sort of weaken these protections for the tech companies, which let's be real, everybody hates, uh, nobody really wants to go out and defend, Mm -hmm. um, it could have, you know, some echoes and some reverberations in other free speech rights that I think people take a little bit more for granted. And that's definitely like on people's radars right now. And I think uh, given the fact that SCOTUS is clearly willing to open up, I think what was considered settled precedent in other areas, I think there's no guarantee that the First Amendment isn't going to similarly come under scrutiny in the next few years. And I would say the tech companies are probably going to be the vector through which that happens. Brendan Bordelon, thank you so much for talking with me. Sure. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Also in the news, the Florida Supreme Court declined to wade into an ongoing legal dispute over Florida Governor Ron DeSantis's push to redraw the state's congressional map. It was a divided four to one ruling in which two justices recused themselves. But ultimately, this means the map favoring Republicans will likely remain in place for this year's elections. And a group of House Freedom Caucus members are slated to meet with Donald Trump next week to discuss the group's strategy heading into the next Congress, according to reporting from Politico. Trump still holds a lot of sway with many members of the Freedom Caucus. And the meeting is expected to address how GOP primary season has played out and what the party's base voters are looking for heading into November. Today's episode of Politico Dispatch included music composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Be sure to follow Politico Dispatch if you haven't yet, and if you can, leave us a rating and review. It helps more people find the show. Dispatch's senior editor is Raghu Manavalan, and our executive producer is Jenny Ament. Thanks so much for listening. Talk to you again on Monday.